Church family, it is so good to hang out with you this morning, to stand before you this morning, to be able to open up the Word of God in God's house, Spring Meadows. Uh, very, very excited to be able to hang out and chat with you this morning. Um, I don't know if anyone noticed the, the, the giant hulking curtain in the room. I absolutely love that curtain uh, because it means progress. It means that things are moving. Behind that curtain now rests a baptistry where our young people, where visitors, where converts, where people who've accepted Christ will be baptized into the death of Christ and raised into the resurrection of Christ. And so I am just so excited for what this means for the church, for what this means for the community of Sanford. It's amazing Things are moving at Spring Meadows. God has things in store, souls to be saved via this baptistry. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. I just want to take a second to thank AV. You guys can hear me all right? That is directly the result of AV. Otherwise, I'd be yelling and I would lose my voice immediately. And so uh, let's just give AV a round of applause. You would be in disbelief if you knew how much time Eric and Val and the AV team at large spend in this church, making it look like this, making sure this curtain comes down so that the, the team can work and it comes back up so it's professional. And so truly the gospel is being moved forward through AV. Love you guys. Thank you for what you do. This morning we're going to be in the book of Joshua Mr. Jack, you basically preached my sermon, so I'll just keep it short. Like, you hit all the points. You already knew where I was going, so we'll keep it short. Before we begin, let's pray. Hey, God, we come to you this morning seeking you. This world is crazy. It's ridiculous. Um, and we need to know that you're going to do it again, that you're going to come through like you have in the past. So I pray as we pour through Scripture, as we look at the word that you've sent to us, that you'll give us courage and strength and faith to know you're going to do it again. In your name, amen. Welcome to all those who are joining us online. I enjoy technology. My family's watching. Hi, family. Love you guys. Uh, I just want to tell you guys a quick story as I open. Uh, Sabrina and I traveled to northern Georgia uh, in moving to Florida, there's one thing that we miss, and that's mountains slash waterfalls. Two things. And so this last Memorial Day, we're like, hey, let's go escape for just a couple of days. We'll go do like some very light backpacking a couple miles, and we'll escape to the mountains of northern Georgia, right? High peaks, pretty serious stuff. And so we go, we get away, we spend some time with Russell and Olivia, some of our very good friends, and uh, we're out there backpacking, and it was so great to just disconnect. I didn't know the level to which God was going to help me disconnect. While we were there, uh, I went to go jump in the waterfall, and as I was putting my stuff down, my cell phone popped out of my pocket and slammed face down against a rock. My uncle has a very good time teasing me about how many phones I go through. I feel like for the activities that I, 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 I do, like a phone a year is pretty decent. A phone every two years is pretty decent. So I end up breaking my cell phone on this trip, right? And so I was like, oh man, 
Thankfully, we have Sabrina's phone to be able to get back. I didn't think a lot about it. I have insurance on the phone, so I knew it was going to be okay. We're hiking back to be able to go back to the car after our camping trip, and we, we find this beautiful waterfall. It's not like super tall, but it was like a big waterfall, probably like five feet, and it pours into a little pool, and then into another pool, and a little waterfall into another pool, and then a slide into another pool. So we spend like an hour on our way back hiking, playing in the pool, swimming, sliding down, freezing cold water. We had Tucker there with us, and so we were trying to get him to swim around. Amazing time. Sabrina takes out her phone to take some pictures, and as we're getting up to leave, she picks up her stuff, and her phone pops out of the pocket of her pants and slides into the waterfall. We all dive in and we're swimming around trying to find it. There is no way we're finding this. So there's like five pools, ridiculous. I was like, well, let's just keep looking as long as we can, as cold as it is, as it is until we can, you know, no longer stand it. So we're swimming around, we're looking. And I was like, okay, maybe the water's pouring, pouring, pouring. Maybe as it's pouring and hitting, it's right there where the water's pushing all the force down. So I reach in and I pull out a phone. It's the wrong phone. I was like, no way. What are the chances that I reach into a waterfall and pull out someone else's lost phone? And so we're like, what? So we, Sabrina and I look at each other and, and we mouth to each other, like, let's pray. So we each pray in our head. The next thing, I reach into another place where the water is forcing down and I pull out her cell phone. It was broken. It didn't work. And so praise God we found it. But we were in northern Georgia and we live in Orlando, Florida. And we had to get back without Google Maps. I'm going to address the uh, youth in the room. So in the olden days, I've only heard about it and read about it in history books. In the olden days, before Google Maps, there was this thing called MapQuest. Before that, there was this thing called a roadmap or an atlas. Is that right? Is that how I pronounce it? There was this thing called an atlas, and basically the way it worked is it was like a, a printed out map, and you see lines, and you have to figure out where you are and where you want to go and how to get there. Ridiculous. So Sabrina and I are both without phones, and we're like, what are we going to do? Like, we know we have to go south, but beyond that, like, I have no idea. So we go into Publix, and I ask the person at cash register, hey, you guys have, like, a map? <laughs> like a road map? They're like, a what? I was like, yeah, my wife and I each broke our phone. We're trying to get to Florida. We know we drive south, but beyond that, we don't know. They're like, no, we do not have that. You're going to have to go to a gas station to find one. Long story short, the bottom half of my screen worked and Sabrina's phone screen worked if she sh shined a flashlight in it. So we made it home, clearly. I'm here. But this situation really made me think about how blessed we are. And it has some deep connections to the story of the Israelites as they were going through this journey through the desert with God. I would dare say that the Israelites, Moses namely, probably did not have Google Maps. Because they wandered, instead of a three-day journey, a 40-year journey in circles. And so it was either the cartographer or it was Moses' map skills. But there was a problem because they could not get from point A to point B. Eventually, Moses passes away. 
amazing life. A life filled with performing miracles. He performed the exodus. He freed the people of God from the tyranny of Egypt, from slavery, physically slavery. Moses helped bring the people out. The manna came down under Moses' leadership of the Israelites. Water poured from the rock because of the staff that struck the rock that belonged to Moses. The same staff that turned into a serpent and came back up in his hand as a staff. It was this Moses that passed away, leaving the leadership of the Israelites to Joshua. Now you have to imagine how shook the Israelites must have been. For 40 years, 40 plus because they spent some time in Egypt getting called out, trying to be convinced to leave slavery by Moses. And so when Moses is no longer there, you had to imagine the Israelites had doubts. You had to imagine that the Israelites were thinking, who is this kid Joshua? Who is this guy Joshua who we didn't grow up with, leading us at the number one position? Is God going to do it again through this guy? Is that what God is going to do? So this is the context of Joshua chapter 1, where we're going to be spending our time this morning. Is that Moses has just passed away, and Joshua has taken lead. The people are shook. And so God takes the opportunity to speak to Joshua. And this is something that is important, right? Like a lot of the Bible is, is, is prophets, it's teachers, it's apostles. But when God speaks, it's another level of vitality, of importance. Joshua chapter 1, if you guys will join me there, say amen when you get there. Don't jump the gun. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. We're going to stop right there. God calls it as it is. He defines the current reality of the situation. He recognizes, he doesn't say, look, here's the things I have in store. He doesn't say, hey, this is the God that I've been in the past. He, the very first words he says, he establishes the current reality of their situation. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. This was pretty big because Moses' death, he went up into the mountains and he passed away and God buried him. And God and Moses were pretty tight. So I imagine it was like an intimate time hanging out. And then he, they, he buried him. And, or it may have been something grand like God does where he had a tomb already. And he just shifted the rock in a really big God-like way. But to the Israelites, Moses moved up into the mountains. He told them he was going to die. And then he passes away. And so God confirms what their suspicion was, but God defines the current reality of the situation. He says, yes, indeed, it's true that Moses, my servant, is dead. This is the situation you guys are in. He draws the lines. He paints the picture. He tells them what's going on. 
And I myself, I consider myself an optimist. I have a hard time doing this sometimes. It's really easy for me to say, okay, I'm here, but this is where I'm headed. This is the direction God wants me to go in. There's blessings around the corner. I don't have it as bad as, and it's really easy for me to just totally disregard the present, totally disregard my current reality, and just move on to better things, or to compare myself and belittle my situation. But there's power There's power to defining the current reality. And our current reality right now as a society, it's tough. It is a hard time to live in. With the Delta variant, with the global events, with political volatility, with stuff that's going on in our personal lives, of depression, of anxiety, of addiction. The things that have nothing to do with COVID, finances, student debt, your boyfriend, girlfriend breaking up with you, your parents being fighting all the time, your children going on the wrong path. There comes a time in life where before anything, we need to figure out where we are on the map. Because until you figure out where you are on the map, you'll have no idea where you're supposed to go. So in response to the heart question of the Israelites, God, are you going to do it again? God begins by defining the current reality. And it's okay sometimes to say life stinks. Life is hard. This is tough. We're in a situation, guys. God continues speaking. God doesn't leave it at the current reality, but he moves beyond that. He says, yes, this is our current reality. And Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise over this Jordan, you and all this people, over to the land which I have given to the children of Israel. God says, yes, this is your current reality. Now, therefore, I have something for you to do. And to us, we're like, oh, Israelites crossing the Jordan, that's easy. You know, they just, they got bridges. You just drive across the bridge. That's not a big thing. But what God was calling them to was an impossible task. At the very least, it was a difficult task. If all the people, the the thousands of people of Israel had to cross the Jordan, that wasn't something easy. They would have had to build a bridge. They would have had to find low water, cross all their stuff, their animals, their belongings— But God calls them, despite, in spite of, with their current situation going on, to get ready for their promised future. He calls the people to get ready for their promised future. He says, take three days and prep, because I'm going to lead you to the promise which I've spoken of. And so when we define our current reality— When we've looked and we've seen our life, we've seen our situation, we've seen our society, we let it sink in. And God says, and therefore, get ready. Because something is coming. The blessing, the promise, who I said I am, who I said I was going to be, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again in your life. So get ready. Get 
ready because it's coming. Verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Shall be your territory. This may seem like a bunch of geographical words, a busy sentence with stuff that I'm like, okay, I'd have to Google a map to figure out where these places are. But what you see God is doing, he's defined the current reality. He said, get ready because the future that I've promised is coming to you. And what God does here is he reiterates the promised future. He draws the boundaries and the borders of the promise which he's he's spoken of for years. The Israelites had begun to forget what God had promised. They're like, yeah, God is good. God says he's going to take us to the promised land. So we're going to believe on God on that. God's going to bless my life. He's going to take me through the issues. But God says, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to draw the boundaries of what my promise looks like. From this wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river. God says, not only am I good in your life, not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to bless you with peace despite your situation. He outlines the promised future. Not only am I going to bless you by being good and do it again, I am going to give you a heart of forgiveness. Even when the people who wronged you aren't repentant. Even when people broke your heart and pushed you down intentionally. This is what I promise. I'm specifically laying out the border of where you're going to move to. I'm going to give you a, a heart of love for the people who disagree with you politically. This is, the, this is what I promise. I'm not just a good God, but these are the specifics. These are the specifics of what it means to walk and to move forward with God. And so as we define our current reality and as we get ready to move into the future that God promises, it's okay to be specific. We don't have to be vague and say, God has promises ahead of me. God's a good God. I know he has me covered. But we can pray specifically for the things that God promises within his word. That means blessings on your children. That means children who rely on God. That means finding a spouse in general, finding a spouse who loves God, being polished into the perfection that God wants us to be. God outlines this beautiful boundary of where the people are going to move to. Verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Right here. God says, I'm going to do it again. So God is focused on the present. He's focused on the future, outlined the boundaries. And now he says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. It immediately draws the minds of Joshua, the minds of the Israelites, back to all the miracles that God had done. They ate every single day, not from what they gathered, not from the work that they clocked in and clocked out, but by the manna that God provided from heaven. He says, the same miracles I performed for Moses, I'm going to perform for you. 
As I broke you out of the chains of slavery of Egypt, I will break you out of the spiritual chains that you have in these camps as Israelites, and I will defeat every enemy before you. In life, sometimes we fall prey to one-dimensional or two-dimensional thinking. We're like, man, I'm just going to focus on the present. I'm going to be here in this moment, and I'll love everybody. Or, you know, we've gone beyond that. We're like, I'm going to focus on the future. I'm going to set goals. I'm going to prioritize. I'm going to organize my time, and I'm going to accomplish everything God has for me. But God says you have to look backwards to remember his faithfulness. When we take moments in the day, in the week, in the month, and we think back to what God has done for us, those are the things that are going to give us strength to move forward through the Jordan. To march around Jericho seven times when it makes absolutely no military sense. When you're struggling with the idea of fighting giants as tall as cedars, it's the miracles of the past, the way God has blessed in the past that will give us the courage, the strength to move forward to the boundary of blessing that God promises he's going to do again. I'm just going to take a moment to insert a very practical tip on how to do this. If none of you have ever prayer journaled, or if you've done it and you've fallen out of habit, do it. Please begin writing down the ways God blesses you each day. Not only will it call you at the end of the day to reflect on God's goodness and things that God does in the moment that you would glaze over at the end of the day and forget about, you think about a second time. It stores in your long-term memories. And then when it's time in Sabbath school to share your blessings from the week, you have that saved in your mind. Not only will it benefit the short term, but when you look back years from now, as Dr. Pritchett shared a couple months ago of his prayer that God would bless his finances in college, some silly bill of $115 or something like that. He looked back years. He shared this just a couple months ago. He looked back years and he saw God's faithfulness again. If you guys haven't ever prayer journaled, prayer journal. It has been probably the second most foundational thing in my walk with God besides simply reading the Bible. Look back on the faithfulness of God and it will give you the courage and strength to move forward into the blessings that he calls you. That he calls you. Y'all ready? We're about to move into into the serious stuff. I'm, I'm about to get very excited. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So this is the first time God says this. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. They were facing a lot of immediate issues. God says, go through the Jordan. They're like, oh, sweet, we're going to go through the Jordan. You got us covered? He's like, yeah, I got you covered. We're like, awesome. All right, now there's like thousands of enemy soldiers that are occupying the land that have lived here for centuries that we're going to have to fight. You got that covered? And this is the verse where God says, I got that covered. He says, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance. He says, I'm going to take them out. They're donezo. Don't even worry about the immediate issues 
beyond this next step because I got you covered. I got you covered. Sometimes we're like, man, I know God's going to take me to heaven, but I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I know God's going to take me to heaven, but I'm feeling really low. I don't want to call it depression because I don't want to call for attention, but I'm feeling really low. God says, not only have I got the big picture, but I got you covered on the immediate stuff. I'm going to do it again in your life. He says, this book of the law, verse 8, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's simple, and you all know it, and I all know it, but do we do it? Do not let this book, the words of this book, leave our mouth. The time that we spend speaking the word of God into the lives of our children, into the life of our girlfriend or boyfriend, into the lives of our church members, not talking about politics, not talking about finance, not talking about what's on TV or the football season or the basketball season, not saying those things are bad. I love entertainment. But... God says, do not let these words depart from your mouth. There is power in coming together and speaking the word of God, in reading the word of God, in reflecting on the word of God. He says, you've got challenges ahead, as Mr. Jack said. You've got challenges you're going to face, and the way to get through them is by not letting the words of the book depart from your mouth. You got to keep them in your mouth in terms of speaking them regularly. Meditate in it day and night. Meditate in it day and night. Don't just like speak it, but like digest it. You know, it's easy to like chew up the verse of the day. We do our little devotional, half thinking as we're rushing out the door on our way to work, and then we forget about it. We check off the checkoff list. You know, I did it. Me and God are good. Meditate on it day and night. Let the word simmer on low, right? Don't put it up. Don't burn it out. Let it simmer. For then your way will be prosperous and you will have good success. As defined by God, which is very different than the definition of success and prosperous of the world. Did I skip over verse 7? I sure did. We're jumping back to verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Very courageous. So the first time he said it, and he said, he said, I got the immediate covered. Now he says it again. Be strong, but he emphasizes, be very courageous. Very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded. I did read it, but I didn't emphasize it. All that my servant Moses commanded. You got to love people. We got to love people. It's really easy in today's society to just kind of go with the flow of uh, rhetoric and of treatment. But God says you got to do what's in the book, which means loving people. Loving God and loving people. And we glaze over that. We excuse ourselves. We say, well, it's because you got to love people. You got to be strong and courageous 
in order to love people. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? This is the third time. God says it one time. He says it another time, emphasizing it with a very. This is the third time and the strongest. It's no longer a, this is what you should do. It's, I have commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Back to Google Maps. The problem with our current reliance on Google Maps is that with the touch of a button, you can zoom out and you can see every street you're going to turn on. You see the exact route. You see a, a route that's two minutes quicker and two minutes slower. You can add a gas station. You can add a coffee shop. And we see every single detail of our journey, right? Every single detail. The thing about our walk with God is he doesn't give us Google Maps, right? And that's what has us scared. That's what has us afraid. We say, God, if you'll just show me when I'm going to get married, then my faith will come. God, if you'll just show me what my career path is, when I'm going to start my for real job. God, if you'll just show me when my kid is going to turn around and come back to you, then, you know, I'll be able to rest easy. God, if you'll just show me every single turn on my map, then I'll trust you. So I can, you know, double check your path and make sure it's the most efficient. Something about Orlando, it's kind of suspicious. It takes 30 minutes to get absolutely anywhere. And there's six different ways to get there. Has anyone else realized that? It blows my mind every time. I'm like, okay, I moved half an hour closer to the airport, so it should take me less time to get to the airport. Oh, it's half an hour away still. Every single time in our life with God, we want to double-check God's map, his instructions, his directions for our life, right? We, we want that detail. And so that's where our fear comes from. We're afraid we're going to lose our job, and God's not going to do it again. He's not going to come through. We're afraid that we're never going to come out of this addiction victorious. Out of this struggle that we're going through. We're afraid that he's, not that he's left us. We know he's going to get us there. But we just want to know how. But God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed. He doesn't say, don't worry about it, I'll explain later. He doesn't say, once we pass the Jordan, I'll give you the rest of the instructions for the rest of the 40 years of your, your, your time in the promised land. He doesn't go into detail. He says, I got you. I'm going to do it again. You don't need a map. You know why? For the Lord your God is with you, is with you, wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I was at summer camp, worked every year in high school at summer camp, Camp Yorktown Bay, shout out. Greg, woo, CYB. I went to Kalakwa this year just so you know. It was pretty cool. I loved it. It was good. Every year I worked at summer camp, 
And we ha- I had the privilege of working blind camp, right? And at the first, I was very intimidated. I had never worked with individuals with disabilities. And so it was, as a kid, it was, it was weird. It was strange. It was different. I absolutely fell in love with blind camp ministry. You go in thinking that, that, that they're going to need a lot of help, that they're, they're, they're very codependent, that they're not going to be able to do anything without you. And these blind campers are walking to breakfast, like slamming their cane along the, along the path. And they are so confident and so ready to go and get the world. And it blew my mind, right? And so this one experience is just really funny. I have to talk about it. My, my camper, Eddie, he's like, no, I got you, bro. He's a Mexican guy. He's like, I, I know where I'm going. I worked boats. And so he's down at the dock. He's like, I know where I'm going. I'm like, okay. And there, there's no guardrail. It's just the dock. And so I let him walk in a hurry towards the water. And right as he had one foot off and his cane over, I grabbed his life jacket. He's a little guy. I grabbed his life jacket and just yanked him back and set him here. I was like, bro, you're about to go off into the water. But he was just so confident. He was so confident that in the training, we go through this exercise where they put patches over our eyes and we get led around like half an hour, the whole camp, to be able to experience what it's like to go through camp as a blind person. And I'll tell you, the thing that made the biggest difference, the thing that changed my perspective was that someone was with us leading us. And the first year that I did it, I was like, you know, clinging to the person, right? Because I was like blind and I was like scared I was going to trip over stuff or kick people or fall over. And then they have us jump off the diving board, which was crazy. But by the last year that I was doing it, I was, you know, I was leading the person and I was blind. I was just ready to smash through obstacles, right? I was like, it's fine. Having that individual not telling us instructions from far away, not giving us a map, a braille map that we could follow with our hands, but having a person at our arm, leading those blind individuals by their arm to the cafeteria, to the church, to and fro, that's what made the difference. And so when God says, be strong and of good courage, the only way we can do that, the only way we'll see God come through and do it again is when we stay on his arm. Is when we stay on his arm. Thank you.
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I know the night won't last. Your word will come. Sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your
Father in heaven, we're counting on you to do it again. I pray that we will meditate on your word day and night, Lord, that we can come together and love, Lord, that you will show us, you will remind us of your faithfulness, Lord, that we will dream forward and draw the boundaries of the promises which you've already promised you're going to deliver, God. Help us to know that you're going to do it again. Thank you so much for your love and your faithfulness, God. I pray that as we long for a detailed Google map of life, God, that you'll calm our spirits and remind us that you're in the car with us, that you're always with us, and that you're going to deliver us. You're going to do it again, Lord. In your name, amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We absolutely love you. Happy Sabbath. If you need special prayer, our elders are going to be in the front, and you'll have a chance to pray with them. Thank you.